Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What's going down? Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here wherever you get your podcast. My name is Kenny and I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin Finn. Happy New Year to all of our listeners. Happy New Year to listeners, Happy New Year to Kenny. How are you doing today? I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I feel recovered. I uh, hit it a bit too hard on New Year's Eve with the drinking. Uh, decided to tequila shots were a good idea and Oof. spoiler, they were not. No, no. Well, they were a good. They were a good idea at the time. Well, I mean, I've had tequila. I've only had tequila a few times in my life, and it's like afterwards, I'm like you know what? I'm just not going to bother again. <laughs> I mean, it's just like it's just evil, isn't it? I mean, I think well, it's alright if you just have a little bit of it. You could probably get away with just having one Jaeger, yeah, and that wouldn't do you too much damage. But overindulgence of those spirits, those liquors. I mean, the next day. I mean, it's a write-off, basically, isn't it, Kenny? Yeah, I mean, I because we were so we had we had um, you know Robert Duffin who started Inside the Ropes with me. He came around with his lovely other half, and the four of us just kind of sat and we played board games, had a really nice night. But then it kind of took a turn because towards the end, um, and I don't have full memory of this because it happened at three three fifteen in the morning. We were playing the top of the pops 
party game. And it was myself and Robert's other half against Robert and my other half. And I I, I just cheated at one point because we were losing so badly. Um, and, you know, my other half was not happy at me cheating. And I decided that the best, the best strategy was to deny that I was not playing a fair game. So, <laughs> so this, so then my other half was not for having this. And he was kind of getting frustrated that I wasn't admitting that I wasn't playing by the rules. And then Robert was deciding that the best way to, uh, the best way to behave drunk in front of his girlfriend was to have him and my other half be heels in the game right. and start too sweeting each other and going, we're just being the young bucks. We're just being the heels. And she had no idea what that meant. I mean, I, I did fill it in the young bucks are the heels, but you know, that's, it didn't go too far. But, um, and the next day I woke up and Robert had messaged me and said, both of our relationships were hanging on by a thread by the end of that game. So uh, we, we, we called it quits then. And then I woke up on Sunday about half 11 in the morning, managed to make it to the, the sofa to have something to eat and then go straight back to bed. So it's six <laughs> o'clock that night. And then I bought a steak pie from the butchers. Uh, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to not have it. So then I made the dinner and the steak pie and the roast potatoes and all that. So, you know, I, I, I kept it together. You know, I, I salvaged the rest of the day, but it was it was it was a struggle bus. Um, but you know, I'll never learn. Also, it's, I mean, you can you you're you're a bit older than me. Um, yes. You know, it feels to me like drinking. The, the, the hangovers are worse in your mid to late thirties than they were even in your early thirties. Does it progressively continue to get worse, or does it reach a plateau point? I, I don't know. I mean, I've got to say, I, I don't, it's very seldom do I drink too much. I did do in October and got caught out, went to this beer festival and it didn't feel like I'd drunk that much. And I was like the most drunk I've been probably since the fateful night out in Glasgow when we had the Jaegers. <laughs> and, um, and that was like one of those sort of quite a, not terrifying, but not far off one of those moments where I wasn't in control. And I like to be in control of how much I drink partly because I do suffer very badly from hangovers. And to me, when you get to my age, which is 53, I think it's absolutely absurd that the next day is a waste. You know, you know, it's not that I have to achieve something on every day, but I don't want to be sat there like a, you know, like a waste of space. Like you know, a like Kenny a, McIntosh. Well, really exactly. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. But as far as you cheating, Kenny, that does not surprise me at all. <laughs> You've always been low in moral fibre. <laughs> And here is the evidence, more proof. You know, just uh, wait until I write that book. Pro wrestling <laughs> through the post Power Slam years. There'll be oh, a section God. entirely on you. <laughs> oh, I'm not. I'm not. By, I'm not by any stretch nervous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, you know, in the words of the Nation of Domination, by any means necessary. Well, exactly, Kenny. Exactly. You know, I've got you know. I've got to take my Ron Simmons advice. Um, but anyway, we hope you all have a, had a good new year, whether you were sensible like Finn and saw it in with a cup of tea or whether you were uh, a shambles like me and decided to uh, see it in by having vodka and Diet Cokes throughout the night with tequila shots and 
with a midnight bottle of champagne that you all shared. <laughs> I mean, that bottle of champagne would have, you wouldn't have even tasted it because your taste buds would have just been wrecked by the tequila. I mean, what a waste. The funny thing is, is that um, Robert's other half, she decided about 1 a.m., right? Because she she is 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 a worse drunk than me in the terms of she will be dead the next day, etc. And right. but she at 1 a.m. had the foresight to say, do you know what? Because she spotted we had a bottle of tequila rose, which is just like a kind of milky tequila but you don't really taste the tequila it's, it's it's actually very nice i'm underselling how nice it is but anyway tequila rosé we had a bottle of that she switched to that for her shots post post bells and she felt absolutely fine the next day oh and the okay. rest of us did not so the post bells tequila seemed to be what were the what was the the nail in the coffin for the rest of us so anyway um there's a lot to talk about in wrestling. Uh, we're not really going to touch on AEW too much. Um, I, I do want to give a quick mention. I did really enjoy it on last week's Dynamite, the Brian Danielson-Ethan Page match and the Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio and John Moxley as top flight. So it's very good to see top flight and Ethan Page getting some decent ring time and with some big names. I did enjoy that. Um, and I was going to ask Finn about Wardlow, but Finn is going to keep... I mean... Not often are you handed such glorious material for the written word. <laughs> but Tony Khan certainly fucking gave you some with Wardlow last week. Oh god. So, yeah. I mean I mean I'm doing the annual I'm currently on with at the moment, the annual um alternative year end awards <laughs> yeah, this year and then and let Wardlow gets career nosedive of the year. I mean it's so sad to have observed, to have seen how well he was doing. Up, up, up to and including double or nothing, mm-hmm. and then it just, it just that was it. And like him having his hair cut by Samoa Joe, right? I mean, what the, were they thinking? And the thing is, it's like so. Here's my here's my annoyance about it, right? I don't think Samoa Joe is 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 over enough to be in the position that he's in, right? No, no, I do think. I don't either. But to to be fair, right? There was a period for a while where the Undertaker was not to the level he needed to be to be put in the matches he was put in, right? He was way past it for quite a while. But he was such a big name that it kind of didn't matter because he could get away with it based on who he was. Which, you know, you can say that's fair or unfair. It's a different discussion. But Samoa Joe is someone who has been in AEW since last year. I think, to me, he's had one really good match, and that was with Darby Allen about a month ago. That's the only one that I've really liked. And he's 43, looks 48, um, yeah. And he so he attacks Wardlow with the pipe backstage to give to give Wardlow like a, a kind of underdog thing. Then they have the, the match, and then Wardlow's about to win with the power bomb. He can't get get the power bomb because obviously his knees buckled from the injury earlier on, and he just falls to the floor, passes out to the Kikina clutch, and then gets his hair cut. But the thing is. Say even in the best case scenario, right? Say the best case scenario, Tony Khan's going, right, well, the plan is, is Wardlow's going to have, you know, a month off or whatever, and then he's going to come back and he's going to ram through everybody to yeah. get to Samoa Joe to beat him, right? But then the result is that he is the TNT champion, which is where he was at the beginning of all of this. Yeah. But he's been neutered by Samoa Joe in the process. So you've actually, there's not really a way for you to win. You've kind of booked yourself into a corner that 
you can't really get out of unless you have to do 10 times more work to even get back to where it was in May. It's astonishingly bad booking. It is. I mean, this was a guy, and people talking about him as a future world champion after the crushing annihilation of MJF at Double or Nothing. And... Um, and it's and you just it just all just unraveled. It was like there was no follow up plan, which there which there clearly wasn't. And it was like AEW didn't know what to do next with this guy. And they had a long and the, the, you know the weird thing about the Wardlow push and uh, was that it was so well managed in the run up to the split from MJF, wasn't it? That was yeah. actually very well done. It was one of AEW's triumphs in the first half of 2022. Yep. Um, partly because MGF is so good at this sort of thing. And I think he made Wardlow his personal project. It was like, right, I'm going to get this guy over, you know, before I put him over. And then I'm going to be going off on my little holiday. And it was like he he just did so much for Wardlow, you know, just sacrificed himself, you know, to the Wardlow project. And then AEW just didn't really know what to do next with him. And he ended the year in a match, or rather a few, with Samoa Joe, who I just think is totally washed up. I can't take him seriously anymore. I haven't been able to take him seriously for many years. Um, and you're right. I mean, so he loses, and then he's humiliated by having his hair cut. And, like, no matter what he does next, it will be almost impossible for him to get back to the point that he was before, you know, this humiliation was inflicted upon him. So, you know, it's that whole thing of, you know, building a wall and doing it beautifully and like saying, right, we're going to knock it down and we're going to rebuild it. Well, you won't rebuild it as well as you did first time. It'll be damaged because you're going to smash, you know, all the bricks or the stonework or whatever. Mm -hmm. So no matter how well you do it a second time, it won't be as good as it was done the first time. Mm -hmm. So I just don't understand it. I mean, if I was Wardlaw, um, I'd be looking for a way out because I think WWE would do something quite special with him. I think they would see, you know, star qualities in Wardlaw. He obviously has them. He can talk. He's a good-looking guy. He's in great shape. I think his act in the ring could improve. But, I mean, you know, the you know the basics are already there. And they can just, you know, flesh them out, you know, fine-tune them, you know, give him a bit more finesse. And I think they could do something so good with Wardlaw. And if I was him, I'd be looking for a way out of AEW because no matter what happens next, I don't see how he can get back to where he was before AEW basically dropped, you know, I don't mean to use that awful American expression, drop the ball, but do we have an English or a British equivalent of that, Kenny? Um, no, I, th I think we've now adopted drop the ball, unfortunately. We have. I think we have, yeah. I, don't, I, don't I think, think we have. Yeah, well, I can use that one then. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they absolutely blew it with him. Um, and I will say, I will say this, and, now, and this is not a dig at you, but it's to, it's to kind of further cement your point, right? You're you're more likely than me sometimes to say about somebody in AEW, if I were them, I'd be looking to go to WWE, right? You, you would say that more than I would about somebody. But in yeah. this scenario, I don't think anybody, even if you're the most ardent AEW supporter, right? Because sometimes you might be, okay, well, you know, Finn said that, this person should go to WWE. And, you know, they could go, well, actually, no, I don't think they should because they could do this and this and this and this and this. And you could have a healthy debate about it. But with this one, there's no debate to have because now, no matter what Wardlow does, the best case scenario is him coming back and avenging himself with, over Samoa Joe 
to become the TNT champion again and be back at square one with all this neutering in mind. Yeah, and, and all this damage and all this baggage and all this, just all this, you know, these, his image has just been tarnished, hasn't it, by mm -hmm. these unnecessary events. I mean, it's not like Samoa Joe is ever going to be anything more than he already is. So by allowing Samoa Joe to do this to Wardlow, what do you achieve? You don't make Samoa Joe a bigger star or a bigger draw or more important or, you know, give his career a new lease of life. It just feels like you're doing this to prolong this feud that no one really wants to see. And I and I think that, you know, in terms of... Uh, I, I don't... I personally wouldn't push Samoa Joe as TNT champion and ROH TV champion. But if they want to do that, I don't have a problem with them doing that. I just have a problem with it being at the expense of Wardlow. That's the problem I have with it. Yeah. He is I mean, not... Samoa Joe, to me, is somebody who should be putting other people over. He should be getting the occasional win. But I mean, he's not a big star anymore. He hasn't been for many, many years. He's not in shape. Um, I saw a match with him on, who was it again? Was it AR Fox? I think it was AR Fox. Yeah, he had one with AR Fox recently. That's it. And... Samoa, you know, you know, he does that thing where the guy is on the top rope and he's about to do an aerial move or a crossbody or whatever onto Joe, and Joe then just steps out of the way, does it dead casual like, mm -hmm. and it's like a babyface spot to humiliate the heel, and he did it with AR Fox, and I believe it was AR Fox's first match in AEW as a contracted guy, or at least as you know, that was the story of the match. And uh, so Fox is on the rope. He actually looked pretty good in the match. And he hurled himself at Joe. And Joe just very casually sidestepped the move. And people laughed. People in the audience applauded. Ha, ha, ha. Samoa Joe, you're smarter than that guy. And Fox, I think he's a veteran. He's been doing this for a long time, I believe. I seem to remember writing about him in the Power Slam days. Am I making this up? I think he's been doing this a while, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm yeah, sure, right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just, and it was just like, Joe, you're a heel, right? You're not a face, and you've just humiliated the face. And I just thought that was really that was John Cena bad. That was Hulk Hogan levels of selfishness. You just made the baby face look like a fool, and that really annoyed me. Kenny did that spot in the match. Well, also, I mean, look, it's fair to say that you. It's not like you were flying the flag of Samoa Joe in the first place. So I think sometimes when. When we when we have someone who who isn't like our, our, our somebody who we're rooting for, you know, it's 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 easier to spot things that we don't like. But at the same time, we're also hopefully objective enough that you know if somebody does something really good that we don't like, we go, "That's great," you know, that's good for them. But I mean, yeah, Samoa Joe, I I just don't think I don't think he looks like he should be in the position. I don't like that the optics of the last twenty twenty two Dynamite going off the air was with Samoa Joe as a double champion and Wardlow lying there that like he just had his balls cut off. It just did not, it didn't sit right with me. And, you know, you look at WWE, right? Braun Strowman is not very good. He's just not, right? He's back in WWE. <clears throat> it doesn't really matter. You know, you kind of just want Gunther to beat him and, you know, get him out of the way. But which he will do. Um, but we know, we know that's going to be the outcome of this feud. Yeah. But, you know, Braun's in shape. He's younger than Joe, you know. He's... Oh, no, I'm I, I'm meaning more where I was going with that was if WWE hire Wardlow, yeah, he's gonna be able to do so much of the stuff that I think they want Strowman to do, and right. also like Wardlow's a very attractive guy. You know, Wardlow's someone who could be doing media 
and he looks like he could be a leading man in a Hollywood movie. You know, Braun Strowman looks like he's auditioning to be the son of Andre the Giant. So yes, it's, it's I think that he could do really well, especially if he was. I don't know when Wardlow's contract ends, but say it ends the next year or so. I think it's a good time for him to come in when WWE don't really have a lot of young, attractive monster sort of size people. Like he could do really well. I could see him in a lot of good programs. People like Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, uh, Drew. There's loads of stuff he could do there. So I think I'm with you. I think he should, uh, you know, see it the rest of his contract and uh, yeah, make a move. Yeah. Um, lots to talk about from SmackDown this past week's SmackDown. We will get to John Cena's hair. Don't worry, my lord. Um, oh, so- oh, oh, actually, can I just say thank you, John Cena? <laughs> came up with a a new category, <laughs> alternative year end awards, uh, just based upon the ending of this match. Great. Applause. <laughs> where is it? Oh, where is? It? Let me find it here. Yeah, it's the. It's the John Cena Award, most blatant spot caller of the year. Guess who won? I I don't want to give it away, but I I feel like I know. I feel like I know who won that one. Sorry, Kenny, you carry on. Uh, yeah, lots of stuff happened on SmackDown, so let's just dive in. So Bray Wyatt comes out and, and is doing a promo with Ellie Knight uh, at the beginning of the show, um, and Ellie Knight. So you know, Ellie Knight and him are going back and forth, and um. In the end, Uncle Howdy comes out to the ring and he comes in, stands in between them, and then Uncle uh, Howdy stands by Wyatt's side, but then suddenly grabs Wyatt, hits him with the sister Abigail, Ellie Knight gets out of Dodge, and Howdy leaves and walks to the back. So, I mean, again, we're getting this drip feed of something, and it's now leading, we find out on this show, to the pitch black match at Royal Rumble. I mean... So they've got this pitch black match sponsored by Mountain Dew. Yeah. The brightest colored drink in all the land. The Mountain Dew is so bright it makes Iron Brew look subtle. <laughs> That's a hard job. To, to I do. mean, we're having flashbacks here, aren't we, to the Red Notice themed epi- uh, Survivor oh, Series oh. in 2021. Big egg. Oh, the um, bloody, what was that match with the Army of the Dead match with, uh, the, with uh, the Miz? Oh, uh, yeah. Was it, was it Backlash 2021? That rings a bell, yeah, with the zombies. With the zombies. Oh, my God. I watched that movie. I think I might have talked about it at the time. It took <laughs> me about three sittings to get through it. I thought it was terrible. Absolutely awful. But the match was worse. The match was worse. Um, I mean, it's. I, I feel like it's one of those things where, you know, we've been sitting for a while now saying, you know, we need to wait and see what's going to happen. Wait and see what's going to happen. I feel at the, at the Royal Rumble we're going to get an answer, and I don't think the answer is going to be one that Bray Wyatt enthusiasts are going to enjoy. But I really hope that I'm proven wrong. But I just there's a lot of WrestleMania PTSD from Randy Orton matches and yeah. Alexa Blisses coming out of boxes and flies on the ringy ring mat. Yeah, <clears throat> you feeling optimistic about the pitch black match? I, I don't, I really, I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking about the Goldberg match. I'm thinking about the Seth Rollins match. I don't want to think about that match, but I found myself thinking about it uh, unwittingly. Um, but on SmackDown, December 30th from Tampa, uh, Bray said he had done some horrible things in his life. He wasn't sorry for most of them, but did apologize for the attack on the cameraman the previous week. And then Knight came out, Ellie Knight came out and said that, Wyatt used to be a force, but he was now a loser and a fraud. 
and Knight then challenged Wyatt to a match at Raw Rumble. And Wyatt just said, you're an idiot. You know, you're just going to all these terrible things that I'm suppressing. You know, I'm now going to unleash in your direction. So, yes, I accept. And at that point, Uncle Howdy walked out, as you said, nailed LA Knight with a sister, Abigail. Knight dropped to the floor and we could hear him say, what the hell is going on? None of this makes sense. I mean, I think he spoke for us all, Kenny. I think he did. I mean, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I'm just not feeling, I'm not feeling excited about it. I'm not feeling, I'm not, fe- I'm not feeling confident. I, not- I mean, the only thing I'll say in its favour is that there's a lot riding on this match. And I think Paul Levesque and others backstage are mindful of the failure of Wyatt's matches under his previous incarnation. I think a lot of people in WWE are acutely aware of this. So if this fails, if this match does not deliver in spades, then I think, you know, I think basically a lot of people in WWE just need to fire themselves. (laughs) Because, I mean, this match, I mean, so much TV time has gone into this new Wyatt character. We still don't really know what's going on. By the time we get to Raw Rumble, it'll be nearly be nearly four months since he returned, right? He will be yeah, one, yeah, yeah, nearly yeah. four months. So this is a big match for Knight as well. And I think people in WWE realize or at least hope that he's got lots to offer the company. I mean, I I've I've been a fan of his since he was Eli Drake, you know, in back in the TNA days before he became Impact. So I mean, I think he's tremendous. So I, I I'm I'm hoping for, I'm wishing for good things from this match. So I I, I sort of hope, I, I kind of think it will do well. I think it's going to be all right because I think there's so much riding on it that if it's a failure, lots of people are going to be so angry about it. If, you know, all this TV time has gone into this feud that it has to deliver, Kenny. The match just has to deliver fireworks. So uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to say, I'm going to record now and say, Yes, I think it will work. I'm not sure how it's going to work, but I think it will. There you go. Um, we also had on SmackDown uh, Solosicor beating Sheamus in a match where we then saw uh, Drew McIntyre come out to make the save. So we're finally going to get the Drew and Sheamus against uh, the Usos match next week. But it was good to see Drew back. And this was a good, um, you know, Solo and Sheamus had a pretty fun match as well. So it was all all going pretty well in this episode. It was, yeah, lots of noise for this, lots of interest. I mean, we haven't really talked about how well Solo Sokoa's done. Yeah, I mean, this really guy, good in the very, yeah, this guy very quietly, I mean, what a force. He just beats everyone. Um, so they obviously like him. I think he's a real talent as well. We haven't really heard that much from him in, on the main roster. You know, but as we, you know, witnessed in NXT, he can talk, he can do the other things. Um, so it feels it, like it, sorry, Kenny. Is it is it smart? I mean, to me, it's quite smart to have him with all the big players and just kind of building a profile, but in, you know, in the background, rather than you know, they're not they're not going too fast with him. No, um, you know, but he's he does enough that you you notice him, you know, and he's in, and I think that you know they would be wise to because hopefully at some point there'll be a promo happening and Solo will grab the mic and say one thing and people will go crazy. Because you know, he never says anything. So maybe yeah, going. yeah, absolutely. I can see that happening. Yeah, I mean, we've heard very little from him. 
Um, I mean, I know when when Jay, Jay Uso was really, you know, at odds with Sami Zayn and Solo was like taking uh, Sami's side, saying, oh, I can learn a lot from this guy. So, I mean, he has spoken a number of times, but generally he's the strong, silent type. Um, or that's the character that he's been portraying. But I mean, yeah, it feels like big things are in store for Solo because he just, all he does is win. That's all he does. All he does is win. Uh, well, listen, we had the, the big title match between Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, they went just under 17 minutes. Um, <clears throat> there was a bit of a kind of thing at the end where it felt like, well, not at the end, but there was, you felt like Shayna Baszler was supposed to be there to put Ronda's foot on the bottom rope because then the referee uh, caught her and didn't let her go. That like didn't didn't eject her, so you feel like it was she supposed to do it, and the referee wasn't supposed to see it. Did she miss her cue? What happened? But overall, I mean, I thought they did pretty well out there. I thought they 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 sort of delivered a match that felt like it was worthy of being on the show. Um, maybe I just yeah, well, and worthy of the minutes that it was that were allocated to it. It felt like a big match, didn't it? Yeah, compared to Raquel, sorry, compared to Ronda and Shotzi, this felt like you know Savage and Steamboat at WrestleMania three. <laughs> Yeah, in comparison to you know the other, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, do do you think they did they do a good enough job of protecting Raquel in the loss? Um, yeah, I, I think they did because I mean she went into it with the storyline arm injury. By the way, that was a storyline arm injury. Some weeks back, I was like, oh, it's real. No, well, obviously it wasn't. I was wrong about that. So she went into it with the storyline arm injury and Ronda. Uh, worked that over and kept going back to submissions and or the armbar and you know Raquel I thought did a really good job fighting her off and countering it and reversing it and showed heart and courage and metal and steel and all these other things that Babyface is supposed to do. So I thought she did really well in the end. She tapped out to the armbar, but as you said, after a lengthy match, a real struggle. Uh, and Rodriguez, Rodriguez, I think, um, gave Ronda her best match since Rousey faced Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania backlash. I think that's, I don't think that's an exaggeration. I think this was the best match since May. Uh, I know there wasn't too many good matches to choose from in the interim, um, but I, I think Raquel Rodriguez did a you know, really good job here with Rousey. And I think Rousey, to her credit, also did. I think she stepped up. You know, I think she recognised that there was a lot of heat on her, given the failure of a match at Survivor Series, you know, the failure of a matches in general. Um, so I thought this, yeah, I thought this was really well done. And then afterwards, Kenny, we had the grand return of? We had the grand return of Charlotte Flair to some slightly different ring music. There was some, uh, like a new new variant of her theme. She comes out and, um, you know, Rousey's obviously kind of selling the, the, the punishment of the match. And then... Um, Rosie said, uh, how are you feeling, Queenie? Um, and Flair said she's feeling pretty good. And she said, uh, I'm feeling spicy. Um, and she wants to, wants to have a match. So she challenges Ronda Rousey uh, to a match right then and there. And Ronda Rousey, or so Ronda Rousey said she was feeling spicy. And that's why she accepts. Um, Shayna Baszler's trying to talk Ros- Ronda Rousey out of it, of course, because, you know, she's not 100%. She's done that match. Bell rings. Uh, Charlotte knocks Shayna off the apron. And Charlotte it's a hell of a boot on Rousey. What a boot that was! Pow. Yeah, you know she. It was a great boot. Um, Flair goes for the spear, and then Ronda Rousey rolls through for an armbar. But then Charlotte counters it into a pin. 
One, two, three, Charlotte wins the SmackDown Women's title in 42 seconds and celebrates with the crowd as the pyro goes off and she is now the 14-time champion. Uh, this is a pretty big moment, a lot of reaction, both good and bad to it. What do you... Break it, break it down for us. <laughs> both good and bad to it. Well, that's it. I mean, Charlotte Flair, she's just like a heat magnet, you know, for all the wrong reasons, isn't she? Lots of people don't like her. Uh, I think that she's, you know, overpushed and everything's just been handed to her. So she's just got that baked in, built in resentment heat. It's just there, Kenny. She can't escape it. It doesn't matter what she does. It doesn't matter how many jobs she does. Mm-hmm. People still say she gets handed everything. So, I mean, I didn't think they were going to bring her back until Royal Rumble. But I mean, as I said on a previous podcast, I wrote in the latest issue of the magazine. I really hoped, I, I thought they were going to bring her back at Survivor Series and have a challenge uh, Ronda, you know, impromptu match after Rousey had defeated Shotzi. Instead, they waited until the final SmackDown of the year, which I, I don't know whether the, the numbers are in yet, but I think this was either the first, this will end up being either the first or second most watched SmackDown of 2022. So in many ways, it was it was the right decision by WWE to put this on TV. So the you know the maximum amount of people saw it. Um, I mean, I'm just glad to see Charlotte back. I'm I'm a huge fan of hers. I think she's the best uh, all round female performer in the business. Uh, I don't think there's. I mean, there are some people who are nearly as good as her, but I think she really carries herself like a star. I think she's got hell of an aura. I think she's somebody who can make Ronda Rousey look like a wrestler. <laughs> you know, which is. <laughs> <laughs> very difficult these we have days. High bars of what we're looking for. Yeah, and I just think whomever she's in the ring with, she elevates her opponent. And you know, tell me, Becky Lynch maybe does that. I mean, Bailey used to. I'm not convinced that she still does. Um, but I mean, I think Charlotte does it better than anyone in wrestling. So uh, I'm glad to see her back, and um, she's the champ. I think maybe, maybe I would have preferred. Ronda to do a runner here and backpedal, and then maybe they could have had the match at Raw Rumble, and Charlotte could have won the belt there. Maybe that would have been better. But I understand why they did it. Big audience, bringing about with a bang. So, you know, overall, yeah, I was very pleased. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the it was a big moment, and I was watching it live, and I thought it was like a great moment. I mean, the thing is, for people who are maybe not happy with the moment, was Ronda Rousey setting the world on fire as champion? No, she no. was not. And I'm very curious what they're going to do. The word is out there that the Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey match that was scheduled for this WrestleMania is off, um, which I think is probably a good decision because Ronda Agreed. Rousey, she's not, she's not the name she was three years ago. So, um. One of the, I mean, everything can change between now and WrestleMania, but the, the rumor is that uh, Ronda might be facing Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, which looks a new match. Depend on what the story is, you know, you, you never know. When Ronda's in a story with someone else who's really good, sometimes she can just bring something out. Um, you can't really predict when she's going to be able to do it, but no. Um, I mean, you've got to figure that Mania will be Ronda's last night. Yeah, I think so. I think the the experiment's done. Uh, maybe maybe Charlotte ends up working with Bianca at WrestleMania. Maybe that. I mean, you got to imagine Charlotte's gonna have a pretty big match at WrestleMania, and you know, I don't. Maybe think... they'll unify the titles. Just have maybe. a little experiment with that. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, because I'm still convinced, just for people who want to put the conspiracy theory tinfoil hat on, I am convinced that Sasha Banks, who, by the way, is in Japan this week with Naomi, she's over there with her. I think they're playing a very clever political game this week by going to Japan in the hopes that there'll be a big reaction to what she does and then the hopes that WWE will you know, offer her a bigger contract than they were going to before. So I don't think it's out with the realm's possibility that we see Sasha Banks at WrestleMania as well. Um, depending how everything plays out, uh, which is clever. She should do that. She should play everybody off against each other and see, get the best deal for herself. That's what wrestling's all about. So, um, of course pretty- it is. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, WWE can afford it. You know, if the company you work for can afford to pay you, then it damn well should. You know, if, if you can pay not- multi-million dollars to Bray Wyatt for, for what he does, I mean, you could absolutely afford to do that with Sasha Banks. You know, yeah, I, I agree, and and it's all about your market value, and if there's demand for you, um, and the money's there as well. You know, if the money's not there, then I think it's very difficult to um, to demand you know an unrealistic pay rise. Um, but I mean, Sasha, I think WWE has been a poorer place without her, and we know we see the numbers every three months. We know that WWE is making record sums of money. 2022 will have been its biggest financial year to date. It can afford to pay a, you know, millions plural, you know, or whatever it is, seven figures. It can absolutely afford to pay her that. I think she's certainly more valuable to WWE than Ronda Rousey has been or is. And Rousey, as we know, is making, she's making seven figures. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think Sasha's doing the right thing. Uh, absolutely, I do. So, um yeah, I mean, maybe Charlotte versus uh, Bianca at WrestleMania, yeah, to unify the belts. I think it was work for Roman. They don't have to do it for a year. They could just do it for six months. I think that would be quite a fun thing to do. Um, and Rhea versus uh, Ronda in Ronda's last WWE match. Maybe Ronda would just say, "Okay, I'm going out. I'm going out with. I'm going out properly. I'm doing this right. I want to leave WWE fans with a, a really." good lasting impression of me and I want to make sure that this match is a success and I'm going to do everything I can to put Rhea over and prepare her for the next step in her career so I think people I think a lot of people would forgive Ronda Rousey for a slapdash and lackadaisical performances if she were to really go the whole hog and make Rhea Ripley look like a star or a bigger star on her way out yeah, and you, I, you know, I, if I were, if they're smart, I would even play everything into this this program. You know, have have Rhea Ripley say, "You've come in here and you've just taken the money, you've, and you've not. You, this isn't your passion." And have them, you know, use some kind of real elements to the storyline. If she's leaving anyway, you may as well. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm confident they can do something good. So. Um, we'll see what happens. But then the main event of SmackDown, Finn, was of course John Cena. And Kevin Owens taking on the bloodline Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. I mean, this felt like the biggest TV match of the year. Um, but we do, before we talk about the match, have to give brief mention to John Cena's hair and his <laughs> bald spot. I mean, this guy has got to be worth at least $20 million. 20. It's got to be 20 yeah. At 20. least. Easy. You're telling me this guy can't get an eject to Turkey and get this taken care of? 
I mean, it's. I, I mean, I, he could fly all the people over on a private <laughs> jet. He wouldn't even have to leave the house. I mean, I'm really I'm baffled by the logistics of the hair, because at the front it kind of waves to both sides, so it's like you know, and then at the back, I don't understand it. I don't understand how it, how it can be, and I I don't get it. It looks awful. I mean, it looks I mean, so bad. I mean, you know, when you watch John Cena, you've got to wear dark glasses because of the light reflecting off that bald patch. <laughs> Oh God. And the thing is, it's like my one of my big pet peeves. Remember, Shawn Michaels got his eye kicked in by Kane, and and they decided to just like not fix it. And he's oh, you know, I'm yes, I'm, that's I'm not, right. I'm, yeah, that's why he can't. He's not allowed to drive. He's still never about. Far as I know, he's never had that eye fixed. So he's. I don't think he actually can. He can drive a car on the roads, can he? Yeah, I, yeah. And and I'm like, but that that doesn't make you not vain. It makes you dumb. Just fix it. Yeah. Like you know, I mean, I would you would not need to convince me if I saw. I mean, I've got a double crown in the back of my head, which I, which you know, when you've got a double crown, you kind of feel like it looks like a ball spot, even though it's not. But then you actually get your haircut specific. You get like there's a specific double crown haircut that you can get at the back, so that it, it's it's less obvious than than that it's there. Right. And that cost me twenty five quid in Glasgow. <laughs> this guy is worth twenty million. And you could, you know, you could practically do your makeup on the back of his head. Get the um, team on a plane, John. Get him over. The best you know, we are. Yeah. I mean, we can't wait to not be able to. Oh, what is it? We can't see. I can't, how do you prefer? How do you work? We can't see you. We, we can't, just don't want to we can't see your bald spot. We want to reach a point where we can't see your bald spot. That's it. You got there in the end. Um, my 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 synops. Well, sorry, my summary. Sorry, of this match is. I feel like. Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, and Kevin Owens were giving you like national theater levels of acting, and John Cena was playing the dame in the pantomime. What was he doing? He was like a cat. It's like a hyperactive, like six year old. It was like, oh, it's like going back to. I mean, he was worse than he ever was when he was there full time, and you know, and that was that was intolerable most of the time. <laughs> And he was just there hamming it up and working the crowd. And I mean, okay, the crowd did react. And you're right, you're... it almost felt like a pantomime-esque performance, didn't it? Yeah, but when you I mean, when you're John Cena at this point, because I mean, we, we should actually mention, he actually, for this show in Tampa, he shifted, him being announced to the show, shifted over 4,000 tickets compared to what they'd sold before he was announced. Yeah. So he was a big mover for this show. Obviously, it's going to have one of the highest. I don't think it'll be. I, I think the pr- preliminary numbers were like 2.4 million. I think the highest was 2.5, which was the Riddle and Roman match earlier in the year. But I think they did have a big football game against them on Friday night. So yeah. that'll contribute to why. It, otherwise, I think it would have been the biggest. But yeah. I mean, he came out here. I almost respect the fact that he's able to be so bad and it works. And like, People love him, and it just doesn't matter. I mean, well, it's the all... novelty factor, isn't it? Of of him of him making this appearance. That was a big part of it. If he was behaving like this every week, he would have just been bombarded with booze. No, you know, just he can get away was... with it for one night. Yeah, he can get away with it for one night because it's a nostalgia, and nostalgia is always good for one night. How did you? So, I mean, you know, you and John Cena have had a better relationship in the last kind of year or so. <laughs> 
how did that translate to this? Did you did you manage to get through it and still have fond feelings for the big JC? Well, not really. I mean, <laughs> you, I mean he, he didn't really do much, which I think was for the best. Um, he took the a bit of to his hot tag, right? That was the build of the match. Was to yeah, his he took a little bit of a pasting at ringside. That didn't look very good, and. You know, he oversold that. I mean, that was always a problem with Cena, wasn't it? He had oversold or undersold. You know, oversold, that, oversold or just no sold. That was the way it was, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> and there was like nothing in between, really. And you're like, you know, it's supposed to be this gradual, you know, wear down. And, you know, and then when you just, you made that 100% cartoon recovery, it's just not believable. So... <laughs> You know, so he's desperate for the tag from Owens, right? And uh, so Owens is there in the ring, and the camera is right by Cena. Now, <laughs> Cena, how could he not have known that the camera was right by him? It was. In a while. Yeah, that's right. So so then he so then he yells out to Owens as Owens slowly crawling to make the hot tag. Hold on! Don't move! Right. And then he says, slow, slow, slow. And then yells, tag. <laughs> the tag of Cena comes in for the five moves of doom. And it was just like, oh. I mean, I guess everyone in the arena, you know, especially if Cena's back was to them, wouldn't have been able to see him mouthing out all those instructions to Owens, you know, milk the reaction before you make the tag. And it was just, in many ways, it was classic Cena, wasn't it? Just yelling out spots. The whole thing's a clown show. I feel like, see in, see in 2011, if someone had said to you when you were you know, running Power Slam, slating Cena on the reg, and um, they'd said, I see in 10 years, Cena's going to come back at SummerSlam and really put something over properly and you're going to be singing his praises. You told the person to you know, go jump off a cliff you said there's no chance. But if somebody in 2012 had said to you, see in 10 years, John Cena's going to come back for one night and he's going to act like a big pantomime dame on the apron, you'd go, I fully <laughs> believe it. I fully believe it. Like, um, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was fun to see Kevin Owens get this moment where, you know, it was quite full circle for him. He mentioned that on social media about how, you know, his first proper WWE feud on the main roster was with John Cena. Now yeah. he's getting to team with him. <clears throat> they were doing the five knuckle shuffle together. Yeah. I know Cena's a big, you know, one is his, his son Owen. One of Owen's heroes is, is Cena. So, you know, getting to see his dad team with him would have been a big moment for him. So, um, and then obviously in the end, it was Sami Zayn who took the the, the, the pinfall because he got a, uh, the stunner. Owens hit the stunner and he pinned Zayn. So, yeah. I mean, that all furthers the storyline of, like, Roman Reigns losing. I know he wasn't pinned, but, I mean, like, you know, what's what's Roman going to say to Sammy on SmackDown this week if Roman is on SmackDown this week, you know, because they lost and that's mm -hmm. not going to go down well. Um, so it furthered the story. Like, in many ways, Kenny, what Cena did was kind of harmless because he was just stopping in for one night and it was kind of like a Hogan comeback. It was just a bit of nostalgia. You know, it was a novelty. It didn't, you know, it mattered in the sense that lots of people bought tickets to see him and lots of people who ordinarily wouldn't have watched tuned in to see him. So, I mean, you know, it obviously did have value. Um, but, I mean, it was strange. Yeah, very strange to see Cena do this after the, you know, 
outstanding work. <laughs> yes, I use the word I use the words outstanding work in reference to John Cena, the outstanding work that Cena did for and with Roman Reigns at SummerSlam in 2021. Not last year now, because we're in 2023. Hell um, has frozen over. That's it. So um <laughs> yeah, I mean it was. It was, yeah, I don't think I've got any more to add. I think I've said all I need to say about it, but I mean, that spot calling was just like, <laughs> as, as Michael Cole might say, vintage John Cena. It definitely was that. Um, I mean, the I will say, I think they actually booked it really well in terms of how, you know, they had Cena do his, his Cena stuff, but they didn't really have him be detrimental to the story. No, was he was only in, it, in the match very briefly, just had that hot tag. And that was it. And who can blame him? I mean, he's an actor now. This is what he, this is his full-time job. Why take unnecessary risks? Why would he? Of course he's not going to. And I thought Roman Reigns was, you know, you know, first rate on the ring apron. He makes like a little expression. He makes a tag mean more than five tumbling moves five crazy high spots mm-hmm. in a Young Bucks match. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Reigns is just there, and the control of the audience of all of them, just working the crowd and getting so much out of nothing. It was like old-time wrestling from the 80s. And, uh, you know, you don't want to see that all the time, but it works in a main event, and it certainly worked in this situation here with Cena making this one-night comeback. Um, well, let's move on to Raw. I thought Raw struggled a lot more than SmackDown did as a show. Um, but, I mean, we had the bloodline on the show, Sans Roman Reigns. We had them coming out at the beginning and trying to take over the show. I mean, Kevin Owens comes out. He obviously is going to... Uh, we, we should mention Kevin Owens kind of had an injury to his eye on SmackDown during the tag match, which kind of you could see here. His eye was quite... I think that happened during the break, didn't it? Yes, because we came back and all of a sudden it was there. So... Um, but he worked through it like a pro. Um, so Owens is, you know, all set to basically face off against the bloodline. Adam Pierce comes out and says, you know, you're not going to run this. You're not going to run through this uh, this show anymore. Um, and then Owens runs in, but he's uh, he's got backup by uh, Shelton Benjamin, Sh- uh, Cedric Alexander, the Street Profits, Mustafa Ali, Luke Gallows, um, and the bloodline. Basically, got a dodge, but uh, Pierce ends up setting them up with matches for the night, so they are all going to be in matches. Um, I mean, it's a it's a way to keep them across both shows. It is you know that weird thing about you know why is there really a brand split anymore? But I mean, I think with this, I think with the stuff they did on Raw, you could kind of just skip to this week's SmackDown, and you don't really need to have seen anything on Raw. Yeah, it's probably a down. You know, you probably needed to put something a little bit more on if they're on it to make it worth you know having spent your time to watch the episode but um but yeah so solo sequoia ends up facing elias <laughs> poor solo jeez oh um yes he has to wrestle elias for almost 15 minutes <laughs> they did have a lot of props it was a national <laughs> street fight with all the instruments at ringside so they'd yeah. have some assistance well, solo, and an solo appearance from hardy don't forget about that I mean, I've I've never heard of Hardy before, so it's a it's a new one to me. I mean, the thing is, you talk about props. Solo was wrestling a prop. Never mind having <laughs> props at ringside. Um, but of course, Solo score got the win, thank God. And then we had Kevin Owens and the Street Profits against the Usos and Sami Zayn, um, with the heels getting the win when uh, Sami hit the Halova kick on 
Montez, Montez Ford. Ford. Yeah. In Ford. So, um, and then after the match, the bloodline were beating up the baby faces when then Sheamus and Drew McIntyre showed up through the crowd and uh, they kind of got, got rid of the Usos and, you know, that's the, the, that was the one kind of tease till Friday. But again, if you didn't watch Raw, is there anything that you missed bloodline-wise that you, you needed to see before SmackDown? Probably not. No, I would agree with that. I think that's fair. Um, elsewhere on the show, we did have a Cody Rhodes video. So, I mean, you know, if you don't see Cody Rhodes return at the Royal Rumble, I don't know what to tell you because he did also, he had an interview on last week's uh, compilation show as well where he uh, was sort of talking about his return. So, the, you know, they're telling us what's going to be happening as he's coming back soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And it's time. I mean, it was, what was it? First week of June, wasn't it? Hell in a Cell. So, yes. um, I mean, what would be, that'll be like six, seven, nearly eight, and nearly eight months by the time yeah, he returns. Yeah, we'll be wanting nearly eight months. So um, it feels like I'm sure he'll be ready to go by Royal Rumble. So, um, yes. Um, we also, uh, so Mia Yim is back to being called Mishin again. Yes, I know it's that, Kenny. She teamed with Becky Lynch in the show to take on uh, the tag champs, Dakota Kai and Io Sky, who got the win over Becky and Mishin. Um, I mean, damage control Finn. They're needing an injection of something, you know? Yeah, it's, it, it's not, it's, I, I'm not quite sure what the solution is. Uh, what the cure is to their ills because they just feel rather flat. Yeah. I mean, Bailey did have a little bit of, you know, spring in a step and, um, you know, a little bit more passion in the promo when she referred to Nashville, where from which Raw was held as Trashville. So she did feel like she had, you know, some of her energy levels had been topped up by that victory over Becky Lynch last, was that last week? No, well, week I, before. Two weeks ago, yeah. Two weeks ago, last week was this compilation show, of course, best of show. Um, so, but I mean, as far as Dakota Kai and Eo um, Sky go, I mean, they're a decent working team, but they just don't have very much heat. And I no. think that's the fundamental problem here is that people just don't hate them enough. So I think they just need to be nastier. They need to just start healing it up and being horrible. So I think that's what's going wrong here for damage control. Um, and it just feels as well as well, they don't really have a, a fixed purpose. I think ultimately, you know, the Bailey's failure to defeat Bianca Belair was a huge setback for the act because everybody thought that she was going to defeat Belair and then she never did. And she just sort of feels a little bit lost as a result. And I think if Bailey were Raw Women's Champion, I think people would view the faction very differently. Uh, what do you think, Kenny? Yeah, no, I can I can echo your sentiments. I think that um, I, th I I I just there's something missing. I don't know what it is, and you know sometimes you you do what on paper would look good, and if it doesn't pop, it doesn't pop. So, um, you know I, I think because they came back at SummerSlam, which was July thirtieth, that was when they made their sort of debut as an act. Yeah. And uh, at this point, you know, I mean, I don't really think Bailey from from the performances she's put in, uh. Don't want to use the word deserves because that's not a fair word. But if, if I were if I were booking WWE, I don't know if Bailey would end up with a match at WrestleMania at this point because I just don't know if it's there in the current you know sort of way that she's presented. You know, I think there's a there's you've got a lot of women who who want to get spots. You know, you got Becky Lynch match. Becky Lynch needs a big match. It's certainly not going to be against Bailey. Yeah, Bianca needs a big match. You know, Rhea, Ronda, Charlotte. 
Um, I think Bailey's got some work to do to try and kind of crawl up to that space um, and, and see if she can make something happen. But yeah, yeah. it almost feels like she'll be part of a, a, maybe a six woman match. Yeah, maybe they do that. Maybe maybe they do a six women. Maybe that's the way to get around it. Um, we shall see. Um, yeah, I, I do. Know. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, Sky ended up scoring the pin. I mean, Becky Lynch started the match. It was like a um, handicap match, and then Me Chin. Um, and you're like, who's that? Oh, yes. They've changed the name again. They've actually gone through with it and changed the name properly this time. Mm. Um, and she helped Becky out, and then she was pinned. So, you know, it's. Um, that's not really going anywhere either. It just doesn't feel like damage control have got a purpose or a direction. No. I mean, who are they going to, who are Sky and Kai going to defend the belts against next? There's no challengers prepared, is there? No, well, they, you can, they've, they've not got a tag team division. So yeah. it's, and it, maybe if they unify, I mean, to me, the fact they've got NXT women's tag team titles and main roster tag team titles is absurd. You know, like, I mean, they'd be way better if you had the tag belts, you know, because Bailey and Sasha went down to NXT when they were women's tag team champions. Yeah. Um, we saw that happen before. I mean, anything you can do to sort of spread it around. I mean, the thing is, with the women's tag titles, it always means there's the fear of a Tamina match coming up. <laughs> so if, if there's one reason to get rid of them, that's that's the reason. That's, uh, that's it, I mean. You've got to guard against it, haven't you? You know, the last line of defence. <laughs> um, we also had uh, Bianca Belair. Speaking of the Bianca as the Raw Women's Champ, she fought Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's title. They went 19 minutes. Um, and in the end, Alexa Bliss, she had to contend with, you know, guys in T-shirts at ringside who had, like, Poundland Uncle Howdy masks on. The Wyatt logo flashed up. So then she attacked the referee. Uh, then she ended up uh, DDT and Bianca onto the ring steps. Um, and she comes back and does it again. Uh, and the EMTs have to stretch her Bianca out. And, um, we should mention Montez Ford came out and that was, and he was distracted in the match mm-hmm. with the bloodline. And that was possibly partly the reason why he was beaten. You know, Montez Ford. I mean, what's happened to him? I was put predicting him to be like the next big thing about six, seven months ago. And now he's just like Chad Gable, just this talented guy who's really going nowhere. And we should point out that poor Chad did the job to Dexter Loomis on the show. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, it's not, it's not great. But then, you know, I mean, maybe 2023 Montez will have more of a year. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the Street Profits are not long for this world. That seems to be, you know, I can't imagine, There's, you know, because they didn't win the titles against the Usos. It feels that the Usos are, you know, kind of taken care of with Drew and Sheamus. And then if it's Owens and Zayn at WrestleMania, it kind of feels that like the Street Profits have not really got anything to do until after that. So it's not. Yeah, it would them, not but... surprise me if the team split after WrestleMania. But uh... the, Ale- the Alexa Bliss stuff here is just, it's all leading to the Bray Wyatt stuff. So now we've got these two different things that are going on. And it's like, it's almost like if you if you used to go out with somebody, right, and it was just rubbish, or it was chaotic, or whatever. It was bad, right? It was bad. Yeah. And they've, they've come back to you and they've said, "I've changed. Will you take me back? <laughs> Let, let's go on a date, and and we'll, we'll and we take it back." And then 
on the date they're doing some things that remind you of when you were with them before. Yeah. So, you know, you, your only instinct is to go, oh, no. Oh, no, this is this again. So, I mean, the Alexa Bliss thing, maybe at Royal Rumble they will come through and it, they'll do something that will, you know, make this all worthwhile, but I just I don't have a good feeling about it. And also, Alexa Bliss should not be wrestling 19-minute wrestling matches ever in her life. She is not a 19-minute wrestling match person. No, no, I would agree with that. I mean, she was out of position on some of her stuff with Bianca, and that was quite interesting watching Belair. She was the one at times you could see she was growing quite frustrated with the way the match was going, and she was the one who was having to manage it, and she was having to manage Bliss, and that did amuse me because normally it's, it's people managing Belair. But, I mean, Bliss here, I mean... She did miss time a few things. I thought the match eventually did. It was more of a story than a match. And it led to the two men in the crowd wearing, you know, Poundland Uncle Howdy masks who distracted Bliss. And then Wyatt's logo appeared on the big screen and Alexa turned again and she attacked the referee and then beat down Belair and DDT'd her on the ring steps. And backstage afterwards, Bliss was quizzed as to why she behaved in the way she did. You lost control. It's like, and Bliss is like, no, I've gained control. You know, I've gained control of, you know, Bel Air's headspace or whatever phrase she used. And that title, that Royal Women's title should be mine. It belongs to me. So it feels, Kenny, like there's going to be a rematch, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> but, I mean, I thought this match actually, or this match struck, story struck, angle or whatever you want to call it, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I was fearing the worst. I actually thought it was okay. And I thought it did achieve something, but I'm with you on, you know, the, the end game here, the conclusion, what this is leading to, you know, the reconciliation or the, you know, the re, you know the, the, the beginning of, of the love affair or the association between Bliss and Wyatt being rekindled by this, which clearly seems to be where it's all heading. And, um, you know, we're all still kind of scarred by how bad it was in 2021 and don't really want to go through that again. So, you know, we talked earlier about can Bray Wyatt and LA Knight work as a match? And I'm cautiously optimistic because of all the reasons I mentioned earlier, so much time and energy and money has been sunk into this thing that I think all involved will want to make sure it does. And, you know, I really hope that you know, that Bliss can find a way of slotting into this saga or story and, and it'd be entertaining. But, I mean, this is a big ask, isn't it, Kenny? It's a big ask that all this can work. But if it doesn't, it raises a lot of questions about the competence of people running this company because they put so much into this over a period of so long, haven't they? Mm-hmm. I mean... I'm 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 very ho- I'm, I really hope that they do something to wow me, and and that it and that it works. I I really want it to work, um. But we'll find out at the Royal Rumble. At least we have an end date that we know when we we've got a date where we're going to know how this is going to turn out, because yeah. they need to give you a lot of the Royal Rumble. You know, you've drip fed us for like three and a half months. Give us a payoff. Give us give us a big payoff that makes us invested in 
Bray Wyatt, Alexa Bliss, etc. So, yeah, um, I mean, and there's also just on a final note here, Kenny, on this saga, this story, and these two separate, you know, storylines, which we which we know are con- going to conver- converge at some point. Mm-hmm. Uncle Howdy, who is it? Who is playing this role? And surely there's going to be a reveal at some point. And if this is Bo Dallas, it's going to be like, it's going to be like, oh God, is that it? It's like, can we have our money back, please? Cancel WWE Network will be trending. (laughs) And then just the last thing to cover from Raw was the main event, which was obviously Austin Theory and Seth Rollins for the US title. They had a match that went over 20 minutes. Um, And in the end, Austin Theory was able to retain after, you know, some shenanigans with the referee. Uh, What did you make of this match? And was this a, how did this go as a kind of Austin Theory proven people proven to people that he can be a kind of in these top main events kind of match how did it go for him yeah i thought i thought it went well i mean did you see rollins uh, take the bret hart front first bump on I collision did. with the turnbuckles bret would have been proud it's not <laughs> it's not like when bret used to have to watch the rock to a sharpshooter at least this time it was done with a bit of oomph <laughs> exactly but it didn't hit I mean, Brett probably was secretly seething that someone had stolen his spot and probably said, well, there's no way you didn't do it as well as I did it. Oh, God. You love it. I mean, if there's a chance to get a wee dig at it, Brett Finn, you're more than happy to hey, oblige. I've been accused of this for you for decades, right? <laughs> and and there is some truth to that. There is some merit to that sentiment that, yeah, I do take digs at him. Are you trying I mean, to say that Brett Hart, are you try, are you try to say that Brett Hart takes himself too seriously? <laughs> I mean, he brings it upon himself, doesn't he? He just does. And no, I don't, in, in all honesty, in all seriousness, Brett took that bump better than anyone. And he took it a hell of a lot better than Seth did here. So I'm on Brett's side for once. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, I mean, Rollins was selling a right knee injury. There was a ref bump. Um, I mean, I thought there was some pretty damn close false finishes here, which and they really had you. You know, you really thought it's over. Rollins has won. He's regained. He's going to regain the US title here from Theory, and instead Theory just kicked out of him at the last second. And I thought those kickouts were believable. I think in a lot of matches the kickouts are just not believable. That there was a device for cheap heat, and I thought every big move and big spot, and big near fall, and big false finish was done as an essential integral part of the match story. So I thought it was blinding, really. Um, theory won with the A-Town down. The actual bump on that didn't look that great, uh, sadly. And uh, fans, I think, were a little bit deflated by the finish. I don't think they thought that Theory was going to defeat Rollins because Rollins, I think, by most, you know, most by by most people's estimations, is is the number one guy on Raw. And for Theory to score the pin on Rollins, I think, really shocked the audience here. Uh, but yeah, this was this was a huge match, huge win for Theory. It wasn't clean, of course, with ref bump. Rollins had the you're selling the knee injury, so there was shenanigans before he did score the pin. But it still felt like a big, big match for Austin Theory. What did you think, Kenny? Yeah, no, I, th- I think he, I think it was a good match to kind of show that he's not the the character that he'd been portrayed as before. Um, I, I thought Seth's kind of little nod to Brett was really was really good. And yeah, I think it was it was the right call to protect Seth because you assume he's going to be involved in something big in it at WrestleMania season. So I thought that they kind of accomplished all the stuff they needed to. Um, and I think if Smack, I think if Raw was a two hour show, 
I think people would be talking about this a lot more. But I think that, you know, sometimes with Raw, people just check out way before yeah, the I main mean, event. Three hours is just too long for a wrestling program. I mean, two hours is the optimum yeah. duration. You know, it just is. We know that. We know it, but I mean, you know, I mean, I, I hope that one day there's a way to get it back to two hours, but I just don't see it happening. But No, I don't. Um, I mean, because you, USA is just paying so much money for that third hour. So, I mean, lots of people who sit there and say, oh, I wish it was two hours. If you were running the company and right, and you can say, well, it's okay, WWE is making all this money anyway. So, well, yeah, of course it is. Absolutely it is. But if you were in charge and you had to make the decision between making, you know, whatever they pay a hundred million a year, whatever it is, hundred million. I know it's probably more than that. that pay. In fact, it is more than a hundred million, but let's just say it's a hundred million. So they're getting paid a hundred million for three hours. Or we'll pay you, uh, you know, we'll pay you like sixty six point six million for two hours. Mm-hmm. And like, the, what would you do if you were in charge? The, I, I will and, just say this one last thing. That the only thing I think that would be the possibility is if there was some way they could make a deal where of the three hours, two hours of it is raw and one hour of it is something else that they make an agreement on. But I mean, that would need to be. I don't know how they would ever get to that point. But that's the only way I can see a two hour raw ever happen is if there's a way they can find something to be the third hour that enough people would watch but also it wouldn't need to be you know it would be two separate things but until that point we're stuck with it um, yeah I, I don't see them doing that i think it will always be raw and as long as usa or whomever whichever company or whichever channel or streaming service or whichever company that wwe works with in future if they want a three-hour show and they're offering them big money to produce a three-hour show, then WWE will provide a three-hour show because it's best for business. Well, listen, we are going to go because we're not going to give you a three-hour podcast today, um, but we will be back on Thursday. We've got some uh, questions from uh, one of our Patreon pledgers, Ewan, to talk about. We'll talk about the idea that Vince McMahon wants to book Cody versus Cena at WrestleMania last summer. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about all the news in the wrestling world. But Finn, until then, I hope you uh, enjoy uh, continuing to take some of the gifts that you've been given by John Cena and Tony Khan for your for your writing this week. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm getting back to the uh, getting back to the alternative year end awards. There's uh, there's actually one here, a, a new category, Kenny. Biggest waste of roster space of the year. That's a new one. I'm not going to spoil it for you here, Kenny, as to who I've chosen. Uh, but let's just say that she is a deserving winner. Oh, she. Now I'm going to be thinking about it. Okay, well, listen, I'm, if that's not a hook for the next issue of Inside the Ropes magazine, I don't know what it is. But InsideTheRopesMagazine.com is where you can sign up to subscribe to the issues. And it does mean that if you subscribe, you know, you don't need to, you know, it'll come in before the, the on-sale date, so you'll hopefully avoid any postal strikes. Um, and Patreon is the best way to hear more stuff from us. Patreon.com forward slash Inside the Ropes. So thank you for all your support. Yeah, the next, over the next issue of Inside the Ropes magazine will go on sale just before Royal Rumble. Just before Royal Rumble. And I can indeed confirm, it's not been said anywhere else, that in the mag for the next issue, we have an exclusive interview with Will Ospreay. Um, ahead of his Wrestle Kingdom match with Kenny Omega. Liam Wyatt spoke to to Will, so uh, some pretty interesting stuff in there. Hope you guys will enjoy it and check it out. So, 
InsideTheRopesMagazine.com. Uh, but thank you for all your support, everybody. And we'll talk to you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.